0: The following contains descriptions of physical violence, sexual violence, and graphic descriptions of autopsies. Listeners, welcome to episode 56 of TGIC Podcast. I'm Jillian. And I'm Izzy. And we are so excited to be back. We are. It's been so long. Yeah, we have not recorded an episode since the end of June, which is like really insane. crazy. Literally insane. Because I feel like during the school year, we're on such a consistent schedule. Yeah. Um, but we're really excited to, you know, kick off our senior year with some new episodes. And these episodes are actually going to be extra exciting because we're doing two Well, we're retrying two things. So, at the very beginning of our podcast, we tried to do a two-part episode. Um, It it was a mess. Don't go listen. It's... Don't... Don't... don't, I'm not even going to tell you what it is. It's just that. Yeah, just don't go listen. Um, But it didn't really work how we wanted it to, so we haven't done it since, but Mm -hmm. um, we wanted to try that again. And also, we covered a serial killer uh, towards the beginning, too, I think episode 14 or something. Larry Eiler. Don't go listen to that one, either. It was just... I think we just didn't know how to do it. We didn't know what we were doing. It was not a good, like, first serial killer case to cover. Anyway, so now we're going to be covering a serial killer in a two-part episode. Yeah, so. so this is two new things. Two new things. We've just been really been pushing the boundaries. Yeah. With, but we, I think we've been wanting to like itch to try some new stuff. Yeah, I think so. I so, think it's yeah. important to try new things. So, you know, for people who are really interested in serial killers, this will be very interesting for you. And we're also going to be very annoying and suspenseful and leave you on a cliffhanger. Exactly. And since we're doing every other week, you're going to have to wait two weeks. That's so annoying. We suck. Sorry. We do suck for that, but you know, <laughs>
1: anyway, we do what we do.
0: Yeah. So, over the course of the next two episodes, we will be discussing the infamous Zodiac Killer case. Yeah! Okay. Um, let's get started. So, some of you might actually not know who the Zodiac Killer is, and that's, like, totally fine. I actually didn't really... I mean, other than the fact that he was, like, an American serial killer, yeah. I did not know anything Honestly, else. I didn't either. Like, for some reason, I associated him with, like, a plane. I don't know if that makes sense. Oh, like, D.B. Cooper? Yeah, I thought he was D.B. Cooper. He, look, he looks like D.B. Cooper. He does. It's so like, like he you look at the sketches. He like, looks oh, look like D.B. Cooper. So, that's what I always thought about. And I was like... When I was researching, I was like, there's no plane. Where's the plane? <laughs> yeah, I honestly didn't know that much. I was like You know, he was a serial killer, like, a bit ago. He may have been in California, maybe? I don't know. Anyway, so I thought it would just be helpful to give, like, a simple overview, I guess, on him, just so you kind of get the idea before we get, like, really into it. Mm -hmm. So the Zodiac Killer was a prominent serial killer who operated primarily in Northern California during the late 60s and potentially the early 70s. He primarily operated in the San Francisco Bay Area, but he has been potentially linked to some cold cases in Southern California and Nevada. So, the killer has five known victims, but he actually claims to have killed 37 people in total. Which is, like, a lot. That's a that's a shit ton of people. Yeah. I that's a, that's a lot of people. Anyway, what made this case become just so well known in the American media is the fact that the Zodiac killer sent letters to various San Francisco press outlets which included codes and like ciphers mm-hmm. and many of them are still so unsolved today, which is so weird. Yeah. So, this case became just so obsessed over in the media, and then eventually they, like, you know, made a whole bunch of movies and stuff based off of it. There's literally one based on, or not based, it J- <laughs> stars Jake Gyllenhaal. Just like, as we solved it, yeah, it's Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, exactly. Um, I was really saying to my mom, I was like, oh, I'm going to do some research, and I think I'm going to try to find something to watch on it. And she was like, oh, watch the thing with Jake Gyllenhaal. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to try to stick to something a little more fact-based. But now I want to watch that movie. I'm, like, I'm kind of like, curious. Like i of want to watch it tonight. I also, like, barely ever remember who Jake Gyllenhaal is. Brokeback Mountain, Taylor Swift. I knew, I knew the Taylor Swift thing. That's what I was like, oh, he's, like, the dude from the Always All associated well. him yeah. with. Yeah. Um, I've never seen Brokeback Mountain, though. Oh, my God. Like, should I? I where do I watch that? You need that? to watch it. I don't know what I, I it's love on, Heath Ledger, but so. But, no, it's literally so good. Like, that movie was so amazing, and it was so sad, and it broke me, and and it was, oh, my God. Anyways. Okay, I need to watch that, because Yeah. You know, Anyway, so we're kind of going to do a timeline now of the Zodiac killer's attacks. But it's not even really. Tough. Yeah, it's 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 just really long. It's so, like a bunch you know. of little episodes. Yeah. Get get ready. Get comfy. Get a cup of tea. You know, it's August first while we're recording it's list, October. So you know it's October. It's spooky season. <laughs> and yeah. Anyways. Okay, so we're going to start with the known victims and known interactions with the Zodiac killer.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: they begin with the Lake Herman Road murders. So, the Lake Herman Road murders are the first confirmed kills committed by the Zodiac Killer. Essentially, on the night of December 20th of 1968, 17-year-old David Faraday and 16-year-old Betty Lou Jensen were out on their first date. This is actually the first time that Betty was allowed out on a date. Oh. Which is, like, really... That's, the, that's a really dark turn. This is, this is probably why her parents didn't let her go on dates, which really is... Because of this. Yeah. Things like this. Things like this. Anyway, that really sucks. Um... Anyway, they had originally planned to go to a Christmas concert at their high school, Aww. but they changed their plans last minute and went to a friend's house for a bit, and then they decided to go out for dinner. So, you know, they had, like, a kind so of a cute... wholesome. Yeah, like, a cute, wholesome, like, first date. They went out to dinner, and then at about 10.15, David and Betty actually parked their car on a gravel turnout on Lake Herman Road, and this spot was actually known as Lover's Lane, so... Oh. Yeah, um... They were hoping to get some action, I guess, and... Or they were just holding hands, you never know. Sure. Sure. <laughs> they were just sitting there talking. Yeah, they are just talking. Um, Anyways. Yeah. But, unfortunately, while they were there, a man ordered them to get out of the car and then threatened them by shooting his gun. So, Betty was the first to get out of the car, and then <sighs> as soon as David got out, he was shot in the head. <gasps> and then as Betty tried to escape, the killer shot her five times in the back. The oh two my. died almost instantly, and their bodies were discovered a bit after 11 by a local named Stella Borges. That's horrible. Isn't that awful? That's so brutal. Like, that's just... just I just... I can't believe how quick everything happened, I think. It's like... Yeah, like, it wasn't even... It was something so mundane, so, like, so typical, and, like, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you're being, like, brutally murdered, murdered by, like, this serial killer. And it, The thing is, it... What's interesting, it's not even interesting, it's just kind of horrible, but, like, it was so quick. Like, I feel like serial killers usually get, like... Well, yeah, because I think the interesting thing about the Zodiac killer is that his motive wasn't sexual assault, it wasn't mm -hmm. money, it wasn't vengeance. It was just just, to kill. just, to kill. That was his point. And I think that's what's, like, horrifying. It wasn't even to torture, it was just... To to kill. kill. Yeah. Horrifying. Alright, so then the next murders occurred, uh, a year later... Um, at Blue Rock Springs. Ooh. On July 4th of 1969, at around midnight, 22-year-old Darlene Farron and 19-year-old Michael McGaw. I actually don't know how to say that. Magoo. Magoo. I'm I have sorry. no idea. I'm sorry. Um, they parked at the Blue Rock Springs Park in Vallejo, California, and that's four miles from the Lake Herman Road so murders. L- really, really close. close. Um, while they were there, another car kind of pulled up next to them, but left, like, right after parking, so they didn't really think much of it. Mm. Then, ten minutes later, this same car returned and parked right behind them. Which is weird. Yeah, that's really strange, because they're in a parking lot, and people don't just park behind you, it's weird. Uh, the driver then walked to the side of their car and shot several times before pointing, or after pointing a flashlight at them. When he heard Michael making sounds, you know, like, in Mm -hmm. pain, because he was shot, shot, um, he returned again to the car and shot two more times. Darlene was actually shot a total of nine times, and Michael was shot four times. Darlene ended up dying from her injuries, but Michael was actually the first uh, victim to to survive So at 12.40 a.m., a man called the Vallejo PD and claimed to be responsible for Darlene and Michael's attack, as well as claiming to be the killer in the David Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen murders. This phone call was tracked, but they actually couldn't confirm who made the call. They just found out that it was from a local gas station that was actually really close to the police station. Which is so interesting. It's creepy. are so There's some dude, creepy. like, really close by, a like, couple blocks away, just making this call. Yeah. I do not like that. I don't like that either. Um, because Michael was actually the first surviving victim, he was able to provide the initial description for the Zodiac killer. He said he was between... Sorry, I, I just lost my, like, whole train of thought. Um, he said he was between... An, why did I write that? Why did that? you write that? I'm trying <laughs> to read this, and I'm having a stroke because I wrote something stupid. Anyway, he was in his late 20s, roughly. He was white and about 5'8 or 5'9. He said he was stocky, like, looking about 200 pounds. Also, this is a very random side note, but can you, like, guess how much people I weigh could, by looking at I would not like, be able to guess. I, w- I would not be able to tell Like, you. I could not tell you. I... I, like, don't know. Like, I couldn't tell myself how much I'm a, I am I could not tell someone else. No, literally, like, I could also not look at someone and be like, oh, yeah, they're 5'7". No. No. My body dysmorphia projects onto other people. No, <laughs> like, I could not tell you. I don't know what I look like. I don't know which person I am in pictures. Yeah, no, like, <laughs> like it's, no, a height thing I never even could I like, never How even the fuck even do you know how tall someone is? I, I mean, think it's because I'm age. so short. Like, like, that's even something yeah, I don't think no. I could do. Like, age is, like, the easiest, but still, it's, like, Challenging. Like height, yeah. weight, no what? I could, no, no, concept. no concept I could not tell you that. Anyway, this guy also had a large round face. He <laughs> had short why are you laughing? Just the fact like a large round I know. face. That's so like specific. Like that's so Do you encounter a lot of people with like large faces, notably? Like I feel like there's not a lot of people I encounter with large faces. Like they kind of stick out, you know? Yeah, like I have a big head and like a round face, but, but I like, call you. Not like a, a large face. face. Like I don't know, like large face. That's so weird. Like I can only think of like one or two people with a large face. <laughs> yeah, same. I think I never tried. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> anyway, he also had short, curly brown hair, which is again just like not, not descriptive. not descriptive. Like this could be anyone. Like in the sixties. Like, I'm sorry. Like a chunky short guy with brown a white hair. White guy. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's so many people. Yeah, but I just. It's so weird to be like, the calling thing. And I think we, we'll get yeah. into that later, but, like... He made a lot of contact. He made so much contact. Okay, so I'm going to talk about the first Zodiac letters. So, the first of the infamous Zodiac letters were received by three news outlets in the Bay Area in California on August 1st, 1969. Oh, my God. That's, like... That's literally how years ago was that? 50. 52? 53? 50 would have been... It's, no, not it's, it's not 50, 53, it's 53, I think. 50 would have been 2019, right? Yeah, I think okay, it's, 50 it's 53, 53 or 54. No, it would be 53. It would be 53. Cause Cause three. It's has been my three mom, years since 2019. Yeah, my mom was born in 1969 and she's 53. Okay, so that's math, that yeah. makes sense. So Why 53 be wrong? years. <laughs> um, also, this is not coming out on August 1st, this will be out on August No, 1st. but we're recording this have it have no August relevance to you. No. Um, but August first. But yeah, that's scary. So these news outlets were the Vallejo Times Herald, the San Francisco Chronicle, and the San Francisco Examiner. So these letters were that were received were all pretty much identical. The only things drawn like that were taking them apart were the fact that they were handwritten and they had like really minor inconsistencies and like obviously they also had different like codes like hmm. the cryptic thing, the ciphers, the ciphers. So first, the letter writer like claimed to be the killer who was responsible for the Lake Herman and the Blue Rock Springs killings. Second, included in the letters were a third of a four hundred eight symbol cryptogram. Crypt- Why do you cryptogram? struggle with that so bad? I don't know, but so there was like a third of each in each letter. Mm-hmm. So which letter writer claimed would reveal their identity if they solved it? Mm. They were all also signed with a small symbol, which would soon become one of the zodiac killers known trademark so it's like a circle with like a cross through it it's not very creative it's not creative and it kind of looks like like when i first saw it i thought it saw it i just saw it like, i just <laughs> like a southern accent around there sorry guys now when i first saw i thought of have you ever watched action movies when they're looking through the scope on a gun and it like has a little target oh that's that's what i thought of i didn't think of I the zodiac of. symbol what did you think of a butthole seen when someone, like, draws a butthole? <laughs> <laughs> no? No. You know, people... I've never seen someone draw a butthole. No, I've... This has this happened to me, like, multiple times. Someone has drawn a butthole, like, on a dry erase board I or something. I guess that's how you would draw it. I, yeah, that's how you would draw it. That's why I thought of a butthole. Yeah, well, very <laughs> different things. Anyways, third, the letter writer threatened that the letters and the ciphers must be printed on the front page of each of the papers, and if this demand was not met, he would, quote, Cruise around all weekend, killing lone people in the night, then move on to kill again, comma, until I end up with a dozen people over the weekend, close quote. Huh. That was in all the letters. Also, very bad grammar. (laughs) Yeah, I noticed in a later note, he literally spelled things wrong, because I copied and pasted it to get it right, and then it, like, wanted me to change it. Um, so the only news outlet that actually, like, posted their third of the cipher in the letter was the San Francisco Chronicle, and they actually published it on the fourth page of the Next Day's Edition, which is so petty. That is so petty. Like, the fourth page. The fact that they actually posted it, but then, like, put it on the fourth page. It's just, like, it's like, we got this random letter, whatever. Okay. (laughs) You know what I think is so interesting? I'm gonna interject, um, just for a second, because Mm -hmm. this guy, he, like, his whole thing is about being famous. Yeah, like, he's so obsessed with He wants with people to be trying to solve this code. He wants to kill all these people just for fame. Literally for attention. Um, At my NYU summer program about criminal justice, I actually learned that people who kill, like, a lot of people, their whole goal is fame, usually. They're, like, narcissists. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they want, like, they want to be, like, in the news, and they want to be famous. Like, and you see so many times with killers and serial killers that they want to be involved in the investigation. Like, they'll go on, like... What is it? Like, search parties, mm-hmm. stuff like that, just so that they're involved and they can see, like, all the pain that they're causing. Yeah. Which is so horrible, but that's because they're fucked up in the brain. They're so messed up. So, not surprisingly, an article is actually published along with a cipher, and it had a quote in it from the Vallejo police chief, Jack E. Stilts. And in this quote, he said that they were not satisfied with the letters, and... And the accompanying ciphers were... Like, they didn't know that they were from the killer. They were like, this could just be some rando. It probably could be some rando. Exactly. and I mean, there were a lot of copycat letters later on, so they weren't far off. So he urged the letter writer to write in with information which would confirm them to be the killer. Whether that was stuff that only they would know, or evidence, whatever. So eventually, all three of the ciphers and letters were published, and no murders took place due to their lateness. So it's just interesting, like... Thinking about the personality of this killer. So, he's writing in all these letters with, like, empty threats. Yeah. That never really happen, And, like, when he does kill, they don't really follow the... Yeah, because I think the whole point is that he kills when he wants to. He has the power in the situation. It's ran- yeah. Like... Y- it's just, like, inciting fear. Exactly. Which is just really scary. <laughs> like, really scary. It, yeah. <laughs> Um, So I'm going to talk about the 1969 letter. So on August 4th, 1969, yet another letter was received by the San Francisco Examiner, and the letter started with the greeting, quote, Dear Editor, this is the Zodiac speaking. I feel like that was not the appropriate voice for that. You should have been like, Dear Dear Editor,
1: Editor, this is the Zodiac Zodiac speaking. speaking.
0: Like, you know when people do those voice modifiers? I feel like that's how that would read. Yeah. And I feel like (laughs) I just thought of something. Now we're going to have to do it because I just said it but we should, when we're reading, like, the excerpts, we should put, like, a voice filter over it. You know how to do that? I do know how to do it. Okay, we're oh. going to do that. so oh, when that happens, so cool. don't be shocked. Okay, I didn't know you knew how to do that. Yeah. Okay, so, this was the first time that the letter writer had, like, utilized a name for identification instead of the small symbol. And, honestly, like, the fact that he gave himself a name. Yeah. That's just... He's clearly a weirdo. He's a weirdo and a try-hard. Like, all other serial killers, like are given names yeah. for specific reasons. He was like, they haven't named me yet. I need to help you. Like, I need to give them a good one. Like, obviously, oh, uh, the, astrology the girls are quaking. Sense. No, like, literally, that doesn't even <laughs> make sense. Like, it, do- it literally makes no sense. Like, he didn't, like, they invest- like, he didn't do it according to birth chart or anything like no. that. It just doesn't make any sense. That's like Libra energy. <laughs> Gemini, 2 <laughs> Anyways, so this was the first time that the letter writer had, like, like I said, utilize identification. So this letter was seen as a response to the request by Chief Stilts for more information to confirm that the letter writer was in fact the killer that they claimed that they were. And in the letter, the Zodiac actually provided details about the murders that had not been released to the general public. So they knew that it was him. Um, The Zodiac also included a brief message directed at the police, which claimed that if his cipher was cracked, then quote, they will have me. Why do you keep doing that, friend? I don't know. (laughs) Um... So, on August 8th, 1969, Betty and Donald Harden from Salinas, California, they were a couple, they actually cracked the 408 crypt- cryptogram, which was published in the separate news sources. So, you think over their coffee, instead of, like, doing the morning no, crossword, they doing they're doing, like, the Zodiac like, Cypher? Not the Wordle, they're doing the Zodiac <laughs> Cypher. And I feel like that would be me. No, like, literally. That's what I would be doing. Like, I'm thinking about it, like, I, my family, every day, we text how many, ti- like, turns it took yeah. to get in the Wordle. Like I feel. Like, I feel like if my family was around during this, we totally would have been doing the morning cipher. No, we would be doing it. Like, it would just be a whole thing. And I, I'm i not even going to lie, when I first started research, I was looking at the ciphers and, like, a few of the unsolved ones. Were you trying to That's figure it out? I was trying to figure it out. Okay, how do you do them? I don't understand, like, because there's, there's, there's a key. There's a key. Did you key. look? Did you look on the zodiackiller.com? Yeah, but I didn't look at the ciphers because it was 10 o'clock at night and I was really yeah, So there was out. There was a key. Oh. Um that he sent it in the key? No. Oh. This was Be- this was Betty and Donald Hart. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they cracked it and the cipher actually contained a seemingly misspelled message from the Zodiac and no one did not give up his identity. So yeah, we're going to give you an excerpt of that or the full thing.
1: I like killing because killing is so much fun. It is more fun. <laughs> killing wild game in the forest because man is the most dangerous animal of all to kill. Something gives me the most thrilling experience. It is even better than getting your rocks off with a girl. The best part of it is that when I die I will be reborn in paradise and those I have killed will become my slaves. I will not give you my name because you will try to slow down or stop my collecting of slaves for afterlife."
0: Okay, so I... I hope you enjoyed that dramatic reading. That made me laugh. Um, yeah. So, Julian was, like, trying to keep it together, because that was just... I'm sorry. Why would you write that? Like, why would you spend time making a cipher to write that it makes no sense? Like, the rocks off of the girl? Um, I'm no. sorry. Like, we all know you've never gotten any action. <laughs> like... That's probably why it's better. Yeah. Anyways. Like, you know, it's always... It's always better with... Yeah. I don't know where I was going with so, that. So, like, the asshole did not reveal himself just weird, cryptic, and totally misogynistic. So, yeah. So, now we're going to get on to another one of the murders. So, the Lake Berryessa murder. Um, On September 27th of 1969, two Pacific Union College students named Cecilia Shepard, who was 22, and Brian Hartnell, who was 20, were having a little picnic at Lake Berryessa on a little island. So, they are just, like, having a peaceful time, and then all of a sudden a man comes up to them. So Hartnell ended up surviving the attack. So this is his account. He claims that he was a white man who stood at about five foot eleven, and he claims that he weighed more than one hundred and seventy pounds. And this part, I like. I what? just cannot imagine this. He was wearing a black hood with sunglasses over the eye holes oh. and a bib. Oh. Which had a cross. Circle symbol on it, like a bib, like one of the things the babies used to eat. Yeah, like it was like over his chest. Oh, how majestic! Just weird. I like just why? Like so weird. And for some reason, when I imagine this, I imagine Shrek. Like I imagine that's like fair. Shrek coming out and of like, in the like swamp. a lake, and like you know, it's kind of like swamp-like. Yeah. So the killer then approached them with a gun, which Hartnell claims was a .45. The way that this guy was able to get so much information in such a short period of time kind of impressive. Because if I was getting attacked, I couldn't even tell you what this dude's like you know general existence looked like. And I mean, like the description is very, it's pretty similar to yeah. I mean, again, the height and the like, I couldn't tell. I I couldn't tell you. So like being roughly similar, it's something. Yeah. So, when he came up to them, he said that he was an escaped convict from a jail in either Colorado or Montana. Oh. And he claimed that he had stolen a car after killing a guard and that he needed money to get to Mexico because the stolen car he had been driving was, in his words, quote, too hot. This, this is, is weird. That's, like, way different than the other one. It's so weird. Like, the other ones, he didn't even talk to them. Yeah. And he was, like, having a full-blown conversation. This is, like, a backstory. Yeah. So... The killer had actually cut strips of plastic and pre-cut clothesline, and he put it in his pocket, which he told Shepard, who is the woman, to use to tie up Hartnell before he would subsequently then tie up Shepard. Oh, shit. That's a lot. So, he always seems to go after the guy first to make sure they're incapacitated. But then the guy has now survived twice. Exactly. So, it's weird. Um, which makes me think, like, he, uh, like, it was kind of overkill on both of the women. Yeah. So you it's hate just, women it's interesting, yeah, so and it was interesting again because he realized that Shepard actually tied up Hartnell pretty loosely in case he could get out, which was smart on her part, mm. but then he noticed, and he tied him up both really tightly, so at first, Hartnell thought that the interaction was going to be some sort of like messed up robbery, but quickly he realized that wasn't the case and This is because, all of a sudden, the killer began stabbing both Shepard and Hartnell. And he stabbed Hartnell six times and Shepard ten times. This is very different than previous crimes, because now stabbing. Exactly. And also, like, total overkill. Yeah. Yeah. So, after the brutal stabbing, the killer hiked to Knoxville Road, which is about 500 yards from the scene. And there, he actually drew the zodiac symbol on Hartnell's car door, and underneath the symbol, he wrote, like, a really bizarre message. It was Vallejo 12-20-68, this was underneath it, 7 underneath it, September 27th, 69, and then underneath that, he put six thirty by knife. Oh, these are the, the kills. Yeah, so these are the kills, and it just seems to be, like, details of the crime itself and also the other crimes, he's, like, he's saying that he was involved in the other ones. And at 7.40 p.m. the same night, the killer utilized a payphone to report the crime that he had just committed to the Napa County Sheriff's Office. He said to the operator when they first picked up that he wanted to, quote, report a murder. No. A double murder. Oh. Um. So just weird. Like, he's clearly getting some sort of, like, it's an attention thing, I think. Yeah, no, he, he feels validated or some weird shit. <laughs> yeah. So... The, weirdly enough, he indicated that he was, in fact, the perpetrator, and when the phone was actually found, it was off the hook, and they, like, the police had found it a few minutes later at a Napa car wash on Main Street by a radio reporter. Hmm. Yeah. So, this is actually 27 miles away from the crime scene. Oh, shit. Not even really close. And after hearing, like... This is bystanders. After hearing the couple scream for help, a man and his son who were nearby in a cove fishing actually found the victims, both Shepard and um, Hartnell, and they went up to them and called the park rangers for help. Shepard was conscious when the law enforcement officers came and Hartnell was not, and she gave some details to the police officer about the attacker. And Shepard and Hartnell were both taken to the hospital, and Shepard fell into a coma in the ambulance, and she sadly passed away two days later. But Hartnell survived and told his side of the events. So just crazy. So much different than the other murders. Yeah, this really sticks out. It's just, it really sticks out. I mean, the knife, but also approached them with the gun, the costume too. Yeah, it's just weird. It's just all weird. Like, almost like, when I was telling my dad about this case, he was like, it's He was like, this guy's trying to be like an anti hero, almost. Yeah. Like, he's trying to be a villain, like out of Mm -hmm. a movie. Because he's dressing up and he's calling in to report his crimes and he's documenting. It's just weird. It's like the more he tries, he's like, oh, I'm going to try something new this time. It's just, why? Yeah. It's weird. He's freaking psycho. He's got no M.O. like other hero killers, and that is his M.O. Like, he's got no M.O. So scary. Which is so scary because, again, now they're having trouble connecting things to him. So the Presidio Heights murder is the next one we're going to talk about. So on October 11th of 1969, a white man entered a cab, which was driven by a man named Paul Stein, who was 29 at the time of his death. And this was at the intersection of Mason Street and Geary Street in San Francisco. When Stein was driving the cab, he then parked at the destination that the man had wished to be taken to. And it was weird because he actually drove like a block past the specific intersection Mm -hmm. that was like called in. And once he parked, the unknown man shot Stein in the head with a 9mm handgun, and he then took Stein's wallet and keys, and it can be inferred that he then tore a- he actually tore a blood-soaked part of Stein's shirt off. So he's not taking things to, like, rob him. He's taking things as, like, a memento, like a trophy. Yeah, like a trophy, and I'll talk about that later because it's important, but it's just so weird. Like- he looked so different. Like, this isn't even a couple. Yeah, this is just a cab this driver. This is just a cab driver. And it was just... Yeah. So, the police were called, and this actually happened at about, like, 11.15. So, the police were called by three teenagers who were across the street at, like, 9... Fi- not 11.15. I think that's a different one. <laughs> um, they were called by three teenagers who were across the street at 90- 9.55 p.m., and they had actually called when the crime was still in progress. So they saw a man get out of the car, and they were still on the phone at this point, and they said that he then wiped down the cab itself, seemingly satisfied, and then walked away from the scene. What the fuck? Just walked away. So... No one pulled out a camera for this shit? It was in the 60s. It would be like a Polaroid. Who cares? Polaroid, you know, just shake it until the killer shows up. Someone could have, like, sprung into action. Yeah, there was just no... I mean, they called the police. I'll give them that. Okay. So they said that he was a... On the phone. They said he was a white male and that he was 20 to 30 years of age with a stocky build and he only stood about 5'9". He was wearing dark clothes and thick rimmed glasses. Hmm. But what's so frustrating, like, this is so fucking irritating, is that the dispatcher then described to the police that the suspect was a black male. Well, that's not going to help anybody when it's not. No, like, that, like that's not, it. like, what? Which is so weird and messed up. And because of this, two blocks away from the scene, there were two patrol officers named Donald Falk and Eric Zelms, and they actually saw a white man walking east, and he was never stopped or questioned because of the dispatcher's false description, and once the actual description of the suspect from the teenagers was released, the cops realized that they had seen him. So the Zodiac killer would have been caught like years ago. Years ago, it wasn't for this dispatcher and this racist. Like it just makes no sense. And the only difference in the description was that the cops said he was five ten, and that they believed he was older than the teenagers. Oh my god! Which makes sense. Like teenagers don't have a gauge of age. Yeah. So doesn't clearly, I I couldn't tell you. Like that's just so irritating. They literally saw him. Yeah. A block away. Ugh. So, once the police got to the scene, they found a few bloody fingerprints that they believed belonged to the killer in a pair of men's size 7 black leather gloves. So, at first, they thought that the murder was just a routine cab driver killing or a bad robbery gone wrong since his wallet—I just hit my microphone. I'm sorry you heard that—since his wallet was taken. Um, however, the San Francisco Chronicle received a letter from the Zodiac Killer on October 13th of 1969. And in this letter, there was a portion of the bloody shirt that was confirmed to have been belonging to Stein, and that confirmed that the murder was, in fact, the work of the Zodiac Killer. So that's why he took it. Hmm. And he probably took the wallet and stuff as a memento. So the sighting by the teenagers was actually utilized to make the first and most infamous sketch of the Zodiac Killer, and it was distributed shortly after. So that's just so frustrating. I know. (laughs) They literally could have caught him. And it was also weird. It was, like, not, like, his M.O. I don't know. It weird. But he clearly just enjoys killing. Yeah. Like, he it says, doesn't matter how. It's just he likes to do it. Yeah. <sighs> so, more letters from the Zodiac in 1969. So, the letter sent on October 13th of 1969 to the San Francisco Chronicle not only confirmed that the killing of Stein was by the Zodiac, but it also included a threat to kill children on a school bus, which had details as to how he would complete this crime. And this murder never happened, but it was just an empty threat again. Uh, I think that part's so weird. For a while, he was just, like, threatening to kill children on school buses. Which makes no sense. That's, like, not his usual thing, and, like, what what was the reason? He wanted fame is exactly the reason. Like, people knew, like, they would care about, like... Children dying. So. Yeah, so he was just saying it to incite fear again. So October twentieth of nineteen sixty nine, another person called the Oakland Police Department and claimed to be the Zodiac killer. So this is the first of many false reports, obviously. So he demanded to be put in contact with a prominent lawyer at the <laughs> station because he wanted to, them to be on AM San Francisco so he could talk to them, and only one of the lawyers who he mentioned, was his last name was Belly, and he appeared on the show. So someone claiming to be the killer called the show multiple times and then asked, like, when he was asked to reveal his identity, he said, no, but you could call me Sam. Oh. As, like, a why, why. Okay. Anyways. But he said no because he didn't want to be sent to the gas chamber, which was at the time... California's, like punishment for capital murder. Oh shit, I didn't and know And capital that. crimes. Which I didn't know either. A gas chamber in the 60s? That seems a little extreme. Um, that's yeah. horrible. I just, I, I don't. Doesn't California like not even have the death penalty anymore? No. Yeah. So the gas chamber, like. A gas chamber in the 60s? I mean, weird. Just the, the historic placement of that's a little. Yeah, awful. questionable. So, when this call was pursued, pursued further, there was like a meetup that was supposed to happen that this a supposed killer didn't show up, but they actually traced this call to a mental institution. <laughs> I'm sorry. sorry, this is why. Why was not And making... the man who made the call was
1: <laughs> not, I'm in sorry. fact,
0: the Zodiac Killer. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, this dude was just bored at the mental institution. She's like, hello, I am the Zodiac Killer and my name is Sam. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just. just <laughs> what? I, like, he was just bored? I thought they, like, supervised these people. No. When did he have the free time to pretend to be the Zodiac Killer? And call, like, a PM show, like, multiple yeah, AM you, show, whatever. How multiple? do you even know about the Zodiac Killer? I don't even know. They have, like, serial killer books in the mental institution now? It seems very ill place. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so, November 8th of 1969, the Zodiac Killer mailed yet another cryptogram of 340 characters. And this cipher was named the Z340 cipher, which remained unsolved for over 50 years. But then, on December 5th of 2020, a team of international citizens worked together and cracked the message. So... This really sucks. Okay, so in this message, it literally just said that the Zodiac was not the man who spoke on AM San Francisco. Oh, and he also said that he wasn't scared of the gas chambers. Quote: because it will send me to parad- paradise all the sooner. Oh, right, his paradise with all of his slaves. Was, yeah, but anyways, this message was submitted to the FBI to be authenticated and pres- is presumed to be accurate. But this sucks, they spent 50 years cracking yeah. this in hopes to find out who he was, only for it to give information that they had learned soon up, ap- like, uh, really soon after the call yeah. was made. And also, like, why put that in a cipher? It's so stupid. Like, that's just another thing, like, this guy seems kind of unintelligent. Yeah. And being smart at the same time, like, it's... Like, how has he managed not to get caught, but, he's like... Been seen by police, like, he's in public. Yeah. He's sending these letters. He can't spell for shit. No, and you know the the kicker is literally on all the letters they have DNA from his saliva of him seal yeah, that. no, literally <laughs> they just haven't been able to like, obviously test it test It's it. so weird, but that's just so weird. he's just so careless and he's like managed to slip through the cracks every time, yeah, so those were all the known like connections to the zero, to the zodiac killer. So now we're going to get into, like, suspected victims and interactions. Because there's a lot of things that he's been, like, supposedly connected to, but nothing yeah. can be totally confirmed. He's obviously they don't know who this guy is. So, yeah. These are just things that kind of follow his M.O. that's no M.O. So, first we're going to talk about Ray Davis. So, Ray Davis was 27 years old when he was shot to death in his own cab on April 10th of 1962, which is interesting. It was before the other killings. Yeah. So, while driving one of his patrons to their desired location, he phoned into the cab company that he was completing the fare at 11:10. This is where I got the 11:10 thing from. I'm not going crazy. He called and said, obviously, he's like, I'm taking them here. Whatever, this is my last call tonight. So, after this, he was never heard from again. And the next morning, his body was actually found in an expensive and exclusive neighborhood called St malo. Mm. And Davis had been shot twice by the patron who was sitting in the back of the cab and he was shot once in the head and once in the back. He was shot with a .22 as well as a long rifle and the same fatal swoop which, which is weird. Yeah. Two different guns and I think it's just it's just even weirder the fact that like this wasn't like the Zodiac Killer because he moved the body. Yeah that's interesting too. And it was also so much earlier. But it's also interesting because it was another cab Cab driver. driver And that's, like, not... Because I always thought the Paul Stein murder stuck out because it was, like, a a cab driver. driver. But this one kind of, like, makes it fit more. Exactly. And also the Zodiac Killer is known for using multiple weapons in, like, the same attack. So that's also kind of interesting. So, was Davis an early victim of the Zodiac Killer? I mean, there was no motive. He wasn't robbed. He was just killed killed and then dumped in an alley which is horrible but also if it's like an earlier one maybe that's why he was trying out the dumping thing exactly and he didn't like necessarily do the letters Mm -hmm. and yeah he just hadn't figured everything out so actually his killer had called the police station before carrying out the murder just no letter Mm -hmm. and after the murder was completed he called the station again and threatened to kill a bus driver again with the bus thing that's weird. So it's just weird because it's not fully fleshed out like the other killers. Yeah, but it's definitely in pattern it's for like a pattern. the way he thinks almost. Yeah, so there are other similarities like the no motive, the cab driver, and the bus stop, the call, and the weird weapons. So honestly, yeah. I think it very well could have been. And also it's interesting that everyone is kind of around the same age, like their 20s-ish. Yeah, like late teens, early 20s. And also all the people he killed were honestly like pretty good looking people. Like, did you notice that like a lot of the couples are like? That's so bad, is he? I'm just saying, like, You're it's interesting. dead people? Now? I'm not. D- <laughs> I'm not sexualizing them. I'm not saying that I would date them. I'm just saying, like, it's interesting. He had like yeah. very similar. That's true. With people he was killing. That's true. Yeah. Um. Okay. So now I'm going to talk about the Santa Barbara County couple murder. That's a, that's a mouthful. That's a mouthful. Yeah. So an officer at the Santa Barbara County Sheriff's Office had suggested that the murder of a high school couple was also committed by the Zodiac killer. So this is really just postulated by this sheriff. So, Postulated? That's a fancy word. I, isn't it fancy? I kind of like it. Yeah. Anyway, it's really just kind of his idea, so I don't know how substantiated this is. Yeah. So on June 4th of 1963, which is much earlier than the other Zodiac cases, it's just after would have just been after the Ray Davis murder, Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so on that day, Robert Domingos and Linda Edwards, they were a couple, they were seniors in high school, oh. they went to the beach near Lompoc, California, and it was actually Senior Ditch Day, so they went to the beach for the oh. day. I know. They all have, like, such, like, really sad, sad backstories on, like, why like, they were in the place. they're just working, or they're on a date. Yeah, like, first date, or, like, just they went to friends. the beach for Senior Ditch Day, like, oh. So, while they were there, they are actually approached by their killer. He initially bound them, but when they tried to flee, he shot them repeatedly in their backs and chests. He put their bodies in a shack and then tried to burn down the shack, but he couldn't burn down the shack because he was trying to do it with, like, matches. Which is, like, really embarrassing. I'm just gonna say, like, if you're gonna be a serial killer, could you do it right? Like, come on. Yeah, like, what are you doing? Anyway, so it's... I don't know if this is the Zodiac Killer. Here is the thing. It's, like, kind of inconsistent with the other cases, like, this whole arson thing. Yeah, that's, like that's a totally arson, different thing. That's, yeah. like... But maybe he did it and realized it didn't work. Yeah, exactly. So maybe he was just... Because he does do that. He tries to yeah. things. I think that this has the most in common with the Lake Berryessa murder. I agree. So... Like, we'll t- kind of talk about this more with suspects and theories um, in the next episode. But I almost think that some of these were committed by, like, the same Multi- people, but, like, multiple <laughs> yes, people. Yes, I agree. Because we need to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. But it's like, this is really similar to Lake Barryessa with the, like, being tied up and that exactly. kind of thing. Exactly. And it's a couple, a young couple. Yeah. Um, like, then there's just some, like, inconsistencies with the other cases. Yeah. Um,. The gum was also similar to the other cases, and it was also his tar- like one of his target victims, a mm-hmm. high school young couple in a very remote location. They're at this remote beach. Yeah, and so I just think it's interesting. What's yeah. this Zodiac color? We don't you know. Never know. Okay, I'm going to talk about cherry or sherry. Sherry. I think. Sherry Joe Bates. So this, I it's basically like they know it's pretty much connected, but they don't have any like solid evidence. So, Sherry Jo Bates was 18 years old, and she was a student at Riverside City College in California, and she had actually lived in Riverside, like, county for her whole life. She went to high school there, lived there when she was younger. Yeah. So, she was visiting her college library on the night of October 30th, 1966. Halloween Eve? Yeah, Halloween Eve. And her car had been disabled by her eventual killer, and it was a Volkswagen bug. And it was only 100 yards from the alley in which she was killed. So, Bates was actually found in the alley on October 31st. She had been beaten, stabbed, and her throat had been slit. And there's no evidence of sexual assault, assault. and unlike the other crimes of the Zodiac, there was no clear, I mean, alike to the other crimes, there was no clear motive. And at the scene, they found a men's Timex wristwatch and a military-style heel print in a size 8 to 10 in men's U.S. sizing. This is what I'm saying. Like, he's so, like, not careful. Like, he just fucking left his watch. Like, he just left his watch, left his shoe shoe print. print. Like, didn't think twice about this? Like, what is the deal? And, like, this crime itself is so, like, inconsistent with the other ones. I know. So it's weird, but, yeah. So, the watch was interesting because it was actually traced back to a military base, which makes sense in addition to the print. And the investigators at the scene theorized that the watch had been ripped from the attacker's wrist during the attack, and the time on the watch had actually stopped at 12.24 a.m., which gave possible insight into the, when the murder had actually taken place. Oh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. So, they believe that this was the work of the Zodiac Killer for a few reasons— First, multiple letters were mailed into newsrooms, which matched the style and handwriting of the Zodiac Killer, and they corroborated the idea that he was involved in the murder. I guess maybe these letters were just not, like, him. I don't even know. Like, they were just... They basically think it's a Zodiac Killer. Yeah. And also, this is so weird and so messed up, but there was a morbid poem scratched into a desk in the college's library, which was attributed to the Zodiac Killer, And we'll give you a reading of that.
1: Sick of willing, unwilling to die. Cut, clean, if red, clean. Blood spurting, dripping, spilling. All over her new dress. Oh, well, it was red anyway. Life draining into an uncertain death. She won't die. This time, someone will find her. Just wait till next time.
0: So yeah, that was that. That's creepy as hell. Really creepy. You can see the picture of it online. It's like carved into the desk. Ew. Which is just... That's a lot of words to carve. Exactly. And also just think about being in a library and like studying and looking over and someone's just like carving Carving. that into the desk. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so now I'm going to talk about one of the creepiest interactions in my opinion. Like, this is not even a murder. I literally just find this to be the creepiest thing. Okay, so, at night on March 22nd of 1970, Kathleen Johns and her 10-month-old daughter were driving to Kathleen's mom's house. They were traveling between San Bernardino and Petaluma, California. And when they were passing through Modesto, a car behind her began, like, flashing their lights and honking the horn at her. What? And so she was, like, pulled off to the side, because, you know, that's fucking weird. Yeah. And when she pulled over, the other car followed, and the driver then walked over and told her that there was something wrong with the lug nuts on her car. <laughs> um, this is a side note that I wrote to myself when I was taking notes last night. I think the Zodiac Killer is a lug nut. Yeah, he's a lug nut. Also, the lug nuts, put the, but, what? I want to use that as an insult. I don't know what a lug, a, a lug nut is. Lug nut, no, like, that is such a good insult. I love that. Like it's like you're stupid, but you're like gross at the same time. You're a lug nut. You're a lug nut. Anyway, lug nut has lost all meaning. Yeah, he offered to fix it. Her lug nuts, and she obliged. When she pulled back onto the highway, her tire like just fall off, fell off and spun out entirely. Oh yeah. So he just fucked up her tire. And then the man offered to drive her to a gas station for help. So she, like, didn't have any other sources at the moment. Like, it's not like she had a phone. She could just call somebody for help. Yeah. So she got in the car, and they drove around for an hour and a half, and they passed several gas stations. And when Kathleen asked why he wasn't stopping, he would just, like, change the subject. So Hmm. eventually, Kathleen the badass jumped out of the car with her daughter (gasps) and just, like, hid in a field. Also, did I mention she was pregnant? (gasps) She was seven months pregnant, holding a ten her 10-month-old daughter, and, like, jumped out into a field and hid. This poor woman, oh I my know, God. but, like, good for her. And also, if anybody ever pulls you over and says there's something wrong with your n- lug nuts, drive Don't, away. Yeah, Don't, drive away. I just, drive like, away. I-, I would never roll down my window unless, like, a police with, like, ID stop. would show me. Yeah, yeah, like... Um, so the man then came looking for her with a flashlight, some reports say that he said, like, oh, I won't hurt you, come out, and then others kind of said that he threatened to kill her, so I don't really know what the deal with that is. They're very Weird. different. But essentially, he did come look for her with a flashlight, but she was able to stay hidden, and eventually he left. After he left, she was actually able to hitch a ride to the police station in Patterson, California, which I imagine has got to be so scary. You've literally been, like, abducted and escaped, and now your only, like, way to get to a police station is it's to a hitchhike hitchh- again. Yeah. And you have a child? Yeah, exactly. Oh. Like, you just, like, got screwed over by hitchhiking, and now you have to hitchhike again? Like, yeah. It's horrifying. Anyway, when she was there, she recognized the sketch of Paul Stein's killer, and she <gasps> said, that was my abductor. Which I literally find so scary. That's terrifying. Like, literally, I, I could how She, she lived the rest of her life, and she was just like, yep, that was the guy. The Zodiac Killer just drove me around for a while. I could have been his victim, but I wasn't. Like, that's so scary. That's literally terrible. That really scares me. I was doing research on this last night, and I was like, okay, guys. Yeah, you researched, like, the
1: creepy I know.
0: I don't, The real creepy. Okay. Um, the other, another case that he was connected to was Donna Ann Lass. So Donna Lass mysteriously disappeared on September 6th of 1970. She was a nurse at the Sahara Hotel and Casino, and on September 6th, she actually worked until 2 a.m., and this was the last time she was ever seen. Later that day, her boss and landlord both received very strange phone calls from just, like, this random guy claiming that Lass had left because of a family emergency, which was not true. And then later, it was just there's this gravesite. I guess they kind of believe it's her gravesite. I don't really know. It's very officially written. Yeah. When I was trying to research, it was like, what they believe is her gravesite. And I was like, oh, well, you don't know. Yeah, like, anyway, are her bones? Like- yeah, I don't know. Anyway, what they believe is her gravesite is located on Sierra Club property in Northern California. Hmm. So. You may be asking yourselves, what does Donna Lass have to do with the Zodiac? I was just about to ask. Ah, perfect. Now we can avoid the stupid, like, true crime podcast interaction where one person says stuff and the other person goes, what? That's so crazy. I saw a video I'm making fun of the other day. <laughs> did I tell you that? No. I literally saw, like, I I'm not on TikTok. This is so embarrassing. I'm on Instagram. <laughs> um, and so I was watching, and this girl was literally making fun of true crime podcasters, the ones when there's, like, one person that, like, does all the, like, research and shares everything, and then the other one just, like, reacts, and it's like, what? You guys know what he we're talking what? about. It's just, like... When there are podcasts. In the comments, there was one podcast consistently tagged. (laughs) Yeah, and they know who they are. Yeah. Anyways, so it's just like, I feel. Some. Okay, some podcasts are able to do it really well when it's just like they'll do episodes together but then also like do solo episodes, and that is Morbid. Yeah, Morbid's the best. They do it so well. I like. I feel like even if we did that, it would be hard for us to not do that. I couldn't well, do a solo episode. I couldn't either. I wouldn't have the bandwidth. Yeah. But, like, they're able to do it so well. And it's always, like, good commentary. Mm-hmm. But, um... Some podcasts are some. not able to do that. No. Um, but, yeah, Jillian and I work really hard to make sure that that's not the Yeah, case. I feel like we try to split it up pretty evenly. Yeah, and we when we make comments, we don't talk to each other about our research first. Yeah, we try to avoid doing that, so that when we say stuff. It's, it's like, like, genuine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, anyway, so what does Don Lass have to do with the Zodiac? Well, on March 22nd of 1971, Paul Avery, who was a journalist for the Chronicle, He receives a Lake Tahoe postcard where the Zodiac claimed to be responsible for Donna's murder. (sighs) So it had the usual return address and the distinctive Zodiac sign on it, which made it consistent with the Zodiac killer's other communications. Mm -hmm. And it was, this is really creepy to me, it was made from a collage of ads (sighs) and magazine cutouts. (sighs) It had like a scene from an ad for Forest Pine condos, and then there was, like, something cut out, and it said Sierra Club, like, where she was potentially buried. Interesting. It said, saw victim 12 <gasps> peek through the pines, past, like, Tahoe areas, and around in the snow. It was just, like, really creepy. Like, almost, like, directions at part. Yeah, that's weird. Anyway, this was actually not even Paul Avery's first Zodiac postcard, which makes it, like, creepier. This dude, just, Yeah, he's just like, getting all of them. Shit. So, after he had, he had been, like, very heavily focusing his work on investigating Zodiac Killer. So, on October 27th of 1970, he actually... oh I hate this. He received a Halloween postcard, <gasps> which is scary as shit to me. I That's was so really petty. freaked out. I, this is when I cut myself off last night, officially. I was, like, freaking myself out, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna read a really, like, nice, fluffy book now. <laughs> um, so, it had, on this postcard, there was the Zodiac symbol, and it was signed from Z, not Zodiac, just Z. Okay. I guess they're on, like, a nickname basis. Yeah. Anyway, all the letter said was, Peekaboo, you are doomed. <laughs> Does that not scare you? I mean, I no. guess it's funny. It's funny that's now. Like, Julian, that's, like, pretty little liar shit. My room was really dark, okay? I was freaked out. It was dark outside. Oh, my God. Anyway, after the postcard, Paul Avery got an anonymous letter suggesting that the Zodiac killer was actually connected to the murder of Cherry Joe Bates. Okay. Anyways, there's just a lot of stuff going through Paul Avery that kind of suggested the Zodiac's connection to these other outside cases. Yes. Yeah, understandable. Um, and then after that, the Zodiac was actually silent for almost three years, until... Okay! Woo! <laughs> Tune in on the 26th, we're part two of our Zodiac Killer series. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at tgic.podcast. Bye! Bye.